Hey, this is Karen with Coach's Corner Chats, and joining me is Bailey Guffin. Bailey, where are you at, and what are you up to? I am currently uh, the head men's soccer coach at Oklahoma Panhandle State. Um, currently, I'm ordering our new white uniform for next year, which is super fun but extremely stressful this time of year. So it's good. When it comes to ordering uniforms, how much input do the players have on that, on the look and style and all that? Um, we, we let our captains have a little bit of a say in terms of maybe something they might be looking for. Um, you know, we have a pretty young staff, so we, we like to think that we kind of know what, what the vibe will be as well. So we kind of put, uh, you know, some creative brains together and kind of go from there. We, we let them have a little bit of input, but this year I think I'm going to save it till fall to let them see it i think naturally i'd let them see it now but i want them to see it in person in the in the fall how long have you been at uh panhandle state well uh, i think almost three years now my first two were spent as the assistant and so this is my first full year as the head coach um the old head coach brandon is now at eastern new mexico state so i took over uh last april what was the experience transitioning from being an assistant to becoming a head coach? It's hard. <laughs> it's hard. I mean, I, I, I think it's one of those things that as the assistant, you always say, Oh, you know, this is what I would do. This is what I would do. And the second you get in the chair, everything you think, you know, you, you no longer know, you're kind of like, well, I don't know anything. So I think, I think that part's good, but um, it, it, it has its challenges, especially being kind of on the younger side, it has its challenges, but um, I think we've adapted, you know, really well to it, honestly. When you did take over, what were some of the things that you said, I need to get these things in line for us to start, not just success this first year, but building on it as you move forward? I think, um, you know, the last, the last year that we had before we took over, we had a really good year. And of course, you know, kind of at the NAI level, a few of our players did really well. And so a few of them moved on to some division twos. Um, so a really good opportunity for us to kind of rebuild and kind of, kind of rebrand what we were really shooting for. I think the biggest thing for us was with a new roster of players, it was getting the right environment for them, getting them to have a lot of trust in me, a lot of trust in a new assistant that would be coming in. Um, and I think we really wanted to get closer to really an identity in terms of the way that we play as well. Um, you know, very, very heavy international with this team. And so, you know, they grow up love to love having the ball. And we wanted to get to a place where they really enjoyed the way that they were playing, um, you know, kind of win or lose. But I think the biggest thing was getting the right environment for them, a good environment that they can fail and be okay. They have a good relationship with me, a good relationship with the staff as a whole, and a really good relationship with the school. It's a very small school in a, in a very small town. And I think we're okay with that. And we really want to show them that this is, this is a cool place to be at and, and to win at as well. So I think it was creating a lot of new relationships in that kind of front. What's it like balancing? You talked about international players. What's the dynam dynamic like when you have people coming into Oklahoma of all places from, you know, other countries um, and what have you, how do you help them kind of transition and get used to being in that, in that situation? I think, I think for us, we have to, we really relate well with them because we try not to be coaches in, in the sense of like, oh, this is Oklahoma. The wind is horrible. There's not a lot to do. 
<laughs> you have to you have to just get on with it. Um, we're we're pretty we're pretty understanding about those things. We try and match it with the fact that we're going to help you. We understand that there's a big adaptation period. Um, you know, in the springtime right now, yesterday we had 50 mile per hour winds. Um, and as long as the goals aren't blowing away, we'll try and train in it just to get them adapted. Cause we tell them if we had to play tomorrow in the national tournament and the wind was like this, we would, we would play. So, um, I think it's those types of things. Um, I think them adapting to a small town, you know, whether it's Oklahoma or wherever it might be, is, is a challenge in itself. So we try to make sure that we are doing a lot of things within our environment outside of the team. Um, you know, we can go and take them all out to lunch and dinner. or We're trying to get better at getting out more in terms of bowling and taking them to – we have a semi-pro baseball team in Amarillo. We want to try and start tapping into that a little bit and doing some things with that. Um, I think it's being okay with us being in a small place – and then us matching it with showing them what we can do with it. You talked about your staff. You you seem really young, and then your staff being young. What has it been like putting a staff together? Were there guys already there that you kind of kept, or did you bring in some like some friends, or how did you put your staff together? So previously, it was just when I was the assistant, it was just me and uh, and Brandon. Um, we had we had a student assistant at one time, and then. He graduated, but he also used to be our goalkeeper coach. So kind of one of the first calls I made was come back and, and be a volunteer and be a goalkeeper coach for us. Um, and then, honestly, the assistant we have now kind of fell in my lap really last minute. We only had a couple of applicants. Um, he's, he's a young guy from from Dallas that, you know, had just come out of a grad assistant position and was just really hungry to coach. And I, that really resonated with me because that's exactly how I got into this job as an assistant. And it was pretty easy. Um, he was okay with the travel. He was okay with being here in kind of a small place. He just wanted to coach. Um, and I think the cool thing with that is all of us being young. So I'm 25. He's a year, he's a month younger than me. So he's 25 as well. And our goalkeeper coaches pretty sure 24 a lot of the cool things that come with it is we relate to a lot of the things kind of going on with our players mm -hmm. um so we un we understand um but we also know that it's not easy kind of getting to the place that we are right now as coaches and we want to take the that opportunity itself to show them the values and sort of the things that we were doing when we were that age to kind of you know really learn to, to grind and work really hard and kind of those values that go into that if we look all the way back, how did Bailey Guffin get into soccer? How did this whole ex journey going way back to the youth where you were playing? What kind of things? What happened? What was your first experience with soccer? I just I picked it up playing as normal. I'm, I think my sister was playing at first. Um, I was really into basketball when I was younger. Um, so, but I was just I was better at soccer. I made more friends playing soccer. Um, so I played. You know I played in the club. I played in the academy. I enjoyed it. Um, I made a lot of friends doing it. That itself was a lot of fun. Um, we didn't have middle school sports. We don't have middle school sports at the school. So you play club all the way through until you're a high schooler. Um, and so that was, that was great getting to play at a competitive level. Um, and then once I got into high school, that's when kind of the typical injured all the time and the knee surgeries start happening. Um, by the time I was a senior, I had had about six knee surgeries under me. And so for me, I, I did my big one my senior year of high school right before I started it in my ACL and my LCL and everything like that. And I was out for about 18 months. 
that's when the playing career kind of stopped in a lot of sense. Um, but in terms of the game, I, I, I've always played it. I love it. I love being around it. I love everything that has kind of taught me. Um, but I, I got into, I hopped into coaching pretty, pretty quick for me. So most of my time has been spent trying to get into coaching rather than, than playing for the most part. So how does one at that young age, I guess, 18, 19, how do you get into coaching? Like, do you just go to one of the local, like where you played club or do you just start reaching out and say, Hey, does anybody have an opportunity for me? So I, I started a little bit, my, my club coach owned a futsal facility and we would always send a couple of our high school teams throughout the winter to go do it. Those were typically the times I was going through surgery recovery. So that's when I started coaching a little bit. Um, but I don't think I really, I didn't really know that coaching would be a profession for me. I just enjoyed doing it. I enjoyed, you know, I thought I read the game well and I kind of got on with everybody I was working with. Um, but I went to the university of West Georgia um, as a normal student to do sport management. And I figured I'd get a job in sport management and coach club at night. Cause that's all I really knew. I just played club my whole life and I just figured I'd get a day job and coach at night. We had a club team at the university of West Georgia. They only have a women's division two program there, but we had a men's club team. I played a little bit, same kind of bit. I, at that point I was almost scared to be playing competitively because I just, I didn't want to get hurt anymore. And if you're playing scared in this game, it's, it's impossible to play. Um, but we also didn't have a coach uh, sessions. We just put on ourselves. Um, nobody on the sideline during the games to make subs or say anything at halftime. And I just said, I I'll do it. You know, I can do it. You know, I'm, I'm tr trying to transition out of playing anyways. I'll, I'll pick it up. And I did that. And then I picked up a under 16 boys team at the local club. So that was really my first dive into coaching and that's when I really got the bug for coaching I think when you first started with those with the club team and then the U16 team what was it that you enjoyed so much about the coaching side of things mm. I can't really say putting on a session because if I went back to my sessions then they're probably <laughs> not even close to what we're doing now um, but I do think it was that part of it I had just I learned really quickly that in terms of writing sessions, it was a lot of taking a lot of things that I've seen from other people. I knew I wouldn't recreate the wheel in terms of, in terms of doing sessions. I think it was that. I think it was taking those guys and we had no way of playing. And I don't even think when I started coaching, we even got closer to that, but it felt that way. And I liked, I liked having a bit of a stamp on it and having a bit of a, a relationship with the players and being able to tell them what I see um, oh, maybe you should go here. You should go there. Um, this is what's happening in the game. I think I liked having that bit to it, having my kind of my stamp in it that maybe I wasn't feeling as much as a, as a player. And that's when I really got the bug for it. But I, I really liked having the relationship with players as well, seeing them succeed and, and do well. And I, I think that's a big player in it as well. With all the injuries and specifically the knees, when you look back, what what was that experience like when you would go through one and then you'd try to come back and then keep battling? Like what kept you grinding through it? And when you look back, like what were some of the things that you may have learned, I guess, in a weird way mm -hmm. from dealing with sitting out for 18 months here and, and, you know, eight months there, what were some of the takeaways from that experience? I think, I think for me, 
I loved being around the game so much and I loved being around all my friends because that's where I made most of my friends. And the game was something I identified with so much in my life that even when I was injured, I'd I'd still go watch training. I'd still go all the games. I I have a mom that also loves watching the game. So she was very cool with driving and watching me sit on the bench injured. Um, So I think that was a big thing. And we, you know, we made commitments to those teams. I think that was a big takeaway I took was, staying very committed to it. Um, I knew I'd always want to get back and play because, it's, again, it's just something I, I always loved to do, and I couldn't really see myself at the time diving into anything else. Um, I think that was the big takeaway that I think even now we kind of are trying to preach to our players is being very committed to a process that on the surface seems very long and very frustrating. Um, I learned to I learned to take care of my body when I wasn't exercising as much, you know, physical therapy and things like that. And I think as I got older, taking those things a lot more seriously um, have really helped me now in in terms of an exercise routine and things like that. Um, Those are my biggest takeaways. I'd say the the commitment and the loyalty part play a big role. And, you know, a a lot of players in that scenario probably just go, well, um, five times surgery, I'm, I'm done. That's it for me. Um, You know, I'll just move on and find, find something else. But I, I just liked everything it brought me. It brought me a lot of good memories and friendships and good coaches as well. And I never wanted to kind of lose that. You just mentioned good coaches. What What are some of the things from maybe the club days or even in high school? What were some of the things that you enjoyed about those coaches that you kind of, I said, hey, if I do become a coach, like when you started at Western Georgia, what were some of the things that you enjoyed about those experiences? Oh, I mean, the the particular coach I did a bulk of my club stuff with, I think the biggest thing he taught us was at the end of the day, he was very, very tough on us in when the ball is rolling. But at the end of the day, like he always loved us. Um, he was kind of a bigger guy and you can't see it now, but I'm only like five, two, five, three. And so he could pick me up physically <laughs> and kind of kind of, you know, show me that even when I was super frustrated at times. And right then I kind of knew that we responded quite well in terms of him really getting at us when things aren't going right in training and we're not playing the way we're supposed to be playing or the energy isn't right or the culture isn't right. But at the end of the day, you know, he still has a relationship with us and he still cares about us. I'm, you know, I'm 25 now. I haven't played for him in years and he still calls me on my birthday. It, it's, it's stuff like that. Um, so there's a huge, he came to my wedding as well. And I know that's a big, that's a big thing that coaches love to see. It was like that, that was the guy that really, showed me the relationship part of it. And then I learned a lot more of the soccer bit as I did my learning and moved on to West Virginia and and kind of things like that. So after you do the club and you're doing, uh, you know, at the college, what is the next step? Do you do that for a couple of years or where do you transition to next in terms of your coaching journey? I did it. I did it for a fall and and most of a spring. Um, And then I knew that coaching for me if I was going to make it a job, A, I needed to go to a place that was new for me with new people and kind of a fresh network. But I knew I hadn't played at a high level. And at the time, I, I had felt that since I didn't have a big playing resume and I didn't have a big network in terms of kind of those kind of those networking opportunities you need, I wanted to go to a place that everybody would recognize when I put it on my resume. So I went to West Virginia University and I got in the athletic coaching education program and I got there 
I didn't know anybody. And the first thing I did was I emailed all the clubs kind of within the region. You know, I'll work. I don't care how much it pays. I, I want to coach. I got to finish my D license. I'll do anything. Um, Mountain United got in touch with me. And I started with the under 12, under 12 boys as an assistant. And I did that. And then naturally, every few weeks, they would go, well, this team needs an assistant. This team might need an assistant. And that's all I did. I'd, I'd pop into sessions and I'd help and coach when needed to be coached. And I would do the little um, the little skills clinic with the under sixes on the weekends to make some extra pocket money. Um, and then that – so after my first year at West Virginia, it was around that time I wanted to find an internship. I didn't really want to go home to Georgia and kind of – you know, kind of chill. I wanted to find an internship and I really wanted to be in a pro environment or kind of an elite environment. So I emailed nine or 10 MLS clubs, like their academy directors. I say, Hey, same thing. I'll work for free. Bring me in. I'll, I will do anything, you know? And so DC United got in touch with me and they said, we have a under 23s summer league team. We're bringing in, we have an internship position, you know, come out. And so for that, making sure the balls are pumped, making sure the cones are out, Gatorade coolers are filled. And so I got myself uh, an Airbnb in Maryland and I'd, you know, drive to DC United stadium. Uh, I would do the day camps with the little kids to start. Then in the afternoons we had under 23s training. And then at night I would watch the under 14s train for the Academy. And I did that all summer. Um, and then after that, I don't know if it was coincidence. I don't know if DC United might've made a call, but I had been begging the assistant at West Virginia to let me be a student manager. I'd email them every, you know, every few weeks or so if they need a manager. And right when I got back that summer, fall season was about to start and they got in touch with me and I became a student manager. Same thing, just putting down cones, balls, whatever they needed from me. I was there. I just wanted to watch. I just wanted to be a part of it. I wanted to be in an elite environment and watch coaches. Um, at that time, I was also still coaching at the club. I think by then I'd finally picked up my own team. Um, I think I had a under 14 girls team. Um, and I was doing a little bit of side work with the West Virginia uh, women's club team as well. So I was just, I was all over the place. I was just trying to work. I was just trying to, trying to be everywhere I kind of could, but that was kind of my next, that was my next step after West Georgia, really. With all of the different levels. So you've got like club and then there's some college experience now. And then, professional what were some of the, the similarities and differences between each of those kind of levels oh the similarities i think obviously at the end of the day it's about the relationship we really try and create with them um all the players um the guy i was working for at dc united he said the same thing for the 23s all the way down to when we were doing kids camp he said they all want to be treated like pros so treat them like a pro um, in terms of making sure everything is, is detailed for them and making sure that, that, you know, that you are consistent in the way that you speak to them and you're confident in the way that you speak to them. And you're the first guy at training. Don't let the player show up before you do. I, I think it was those types of things of treating them like a pro. They want to feel like they're in a, in an environment where they're going to grow. And I, I see that at every level that I've kind of been at so far. What's some of the differences that you see? If there's some similarities, like people here are professional, like what was that environment like? You talk about details and all that kind of thing. Um, other, I mean, I'm assuming the level and quality is is pretty clear. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously the level and quality and, you know, the, the tactics really become a big part of the game at that level. 
I just I just think the detail and everything they do really it really goes up a level in terms of in terms of everything where the session is set up on the field where the balls are being played in on the field when I was the student manager if we were playing Akron Akron was Adidas so the Nike balls went in the shed and the Adidas balls came out that was a level of detail that we were kind of hitting at was everything has to be perfect everything has to be right um, you know, at DC United, we had one of the academy coaches got to be the AR in the sessions for the first team. And so we'd, we'd sneak around the fence and watch DC United first team train. And he'd be over there being the AR. We're like, that's got to be the coolest job in the world. He gets to call off sides for the first team. This was also the time that Wayne Rooney was playing at DC United. Mm-hmm. So that was like the coolest time to be at the club at the time. I think it's just the level of detail, but also I think the commitment in terms of the players I think, I think, of course, when you're coaching the young groups, some kids are there because they just got to get the exercise in. Mm-hmm. And soccer is not really a big part of their life. But at the elite level, it's everything for these guys, you know, winning and losing in training and in the games. It's, it's everything to them. For some of them, it's, it's, you know, life and death. And I think that's a big, that's a big thing that you have to be ready to, to match in terms of the detail and the energy. The one thing that stood out to me so far is one, your injuries didn't stop you. You kept pushing forward. Um, then you recognize I need to get out of my comfort zone a little bit, literally leave the state of Georgia yeah. and start trying different things. And then even once you got into the club environment, you're like, I need to, I want to keep, and you kept going out and trying. Has that always been something that you're kind of this, I need to go try something new. I'm always open to new ideas. Has that been something you've, always had or has maybe the injuries and you realize like hey i've got to create my own i guess resume quote unquote because like you said the playing level may not be there on the resume i think for me as long as there's a ball rolling and there's a place for me to sleep i go you know <laughs> and same thing it's you know how do you end up at oklahoma panhandle state when you know i was just at west virginia university when i had tried interviewing for this job I had no, I didn't, I'll be honest, I couldn't even tell you how far Oklahoma was from West Virginia at the time. I wanted to go. There was an assistant coaching job. There was a turf field, a ball that rolls, and players that want to be there. And for me, that's that's what it that's what it took. Um, I, I wouldn't say I'm a big trier of a lot of new and different things, but for me is like I know what I want out of the experience, and I know that feeling I kind of get when the experience is right and the moment is right for me to go um, and try that thing. And even when it is scary, picking up everything and moving to West Virginia is probably one of the scariest things I've done because you leave everybody. Um, but it, it's like that feeling in your stomach that you're like, I know this is like kind of freaky, but let's go do it because if you go do it, this is what's this is what's right for you. And so I think that's kind of the thing. It's been following my my gut with a lot of these things. What was it or what? was the moment at West Virginia that made you start looking elsewhere, kind of saying, okay, I'm ready to start maybe the next piece of this journey. Hold on. Yeah. Sorry. I do not. Yeah. Make sure you ask a coach. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm just going to staple this and put it in custodial. Yeah. Yeah. You're good. Thank you. I think it's a baseball player. I'm in the office today. <laughs> No worries. Um, so, uh, like I was saying, what what was the moment or realization for you at West Virginia where you said, "Okay, it's time for me to start looking elsewhere to maybe move on in this journey"? 
I, you know, I'd become the grad assistant at, after my time as the student manager, they brought me in right before I started my master's and asked if I wanted to be the grad assistant there. Um, for them, it was pretty simple. I'd been there for a year, so I kind of knew all the ins and outs and a free master's program isn't too bad either. Um, so I, th I think that was a pretty easy thing for me. Um, I did that for a year and then we went through a coaching change and that happened right before COVID happened. Um, with the coaching change, he, you know, he wanted to bring in a different grad assistant that was able to do a couple of different things. He wanted, I think a more sports science type of guy that was able to kind of analyze data. And I wasn't really doing that in my school. I was also kind of at that point ready to start coaching a bit more. Um, and so I think it, it, it kind of worked out perfectly. Everything kind of shut down. I was ready to start coaching and he was looking to bring in somebody else. Um, and so that was kind of the moment where, you know, we kind of went separate ways at that moment. Um, I still love all the guys on staff. I think they do an incredible job and it's worked out great for me. And then in that moment, yeah, it's like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm 22 now. I've got to have something next. I wasn't really ready to stay in Morgantown and, and, keep going with the clubs. Cause at that point I really only had the club teams that I had in town at that point. I was, I was ready to, okay, maybe I want to try and be an assistant coach. Um, we were in Georgia, I think during COVID at this time, it was in the summer because my, well, now she's my wife. She was my girlfriend. Then she was doing an internship in Georgia. Um, and actually Don Williams from sports recruiting USA put out a tweet saying, I've got a buddy in Oklahoma. He's uh, he's looking for an assistant um, actually I didn't even say Oklahoma. He said, I have a buddy looking for an assistant coach. DM me if interested. Um, that's what I did. And it, it just kind of happened. And probably within two or three weeks, I was telling everybody, all right, <laughs> I'm going to Oklahoma. And, and that, that was it. So I think it kind of all worked out. Um, I think the way it was supposed to work out. You mentioned girlfriend, now wife, how has she worked into the whole journey of like, how does that discussion she's in school in Georgia. And then you say, Hey, I'm looking at taking a job in Oklahoma after already being in West Virginia and doing mm -hmm. your driving to DC United. What, how has that been in terms of her support and understanding? And what's the conversation like when you're not only making a decision for Bailey, but you're also doing one for your wife? Yeah. Um, so the, the good thing was, is she was going to school at West Virginia. We were just, she was just there for the summer doing an internship. So that part was, was great. Cause she still had all of her friends at West Virginia. We had met at West Virginia. So, and she had a year left of her, of her bachelor's degree. Um, and so for me, it was sitting her down and going, if I can do this now, I'm probably, I'm probably jumping a few years and before you know it, I could be an assistant in a really good spot for us. I could potentially be a head coach. Um, you know, this is, and she, she's, I mean, she's awesome. She, she knows that this is what I want to do. Um, we, we met through, so she played soccer as well. She played a little bit um, for the women's club team before I kind of got in the mix. So we kind of met through soccer, but soccer is not a big part of our relationship, but she knows that this is who I am and this is what I do. And so you know, it, it was hard. It was, you know, we lived apart for a year, but I think she knows how much it, it meant to me. Um, and of course she was finishing her stuff in West Virginia. And I think when I kind of laid it out as this is, this is huge for us in terms of our family, in terms of if we can both do our thing, we could really meet in the middle somewhere and make something really work. So she finished up her bachelor's at West Virginia. And then she actually came out here, um, the summer after and 
I think within a month or so, she was an admissions counselor. And then she did that for three months. And then they promoted her to the director of admissions. So she got the promotion before I did. At the place. <laughs> so within three or four months, she was the director of admissions and, and top dog on campus. And um, that that in itself really worked out because she landed a, a job that she really likes. And I was I was doing my bit. And then fast forward five, six months later, after a fall, all of a sudden, you know, Brandon had moved on to Eastern New Mexico and I got the, I got the call to be the head coach. And so again, it's just one of those things where the plan kind of just falls in place. Um, and I think she's really, she's really been awesome about adapting to the way I, I can't always vocalize the vision that I see, but I'm like, if, if you just let me do it, if you let me go, I, I promise you we'll, we'll find, we'll find a good happy medium where everybody's happy and you've got your thing. I've got mine. And now we've got a house here on campus, um, two dogs and, and two cats, which is a nightmare, but um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's worked out quite well. She's, she's awesome. She understands how much, how much it means to me to be here. How important is coach and life balance? How do you are you able to turn it off when you get home, or is soccer one of those things you've talked about? It you love the idea of a ball, a pitch, and some goals, mm -hmm. and and Bailey is hyped and ready to roll. Yeah. Is there are you able to kind of separate at times, or I think I'm still I'm still at that that young age where I'd love to I'd love to tell you yes that I can I can switch off and and do anything, but some some days it's it's, it's everything. Now, the good thing is, is when it comes to, you know, really spending time with my wife and being able to have those moments, a hundred percent, I can, I can turn off, but you know, I won't lie. We're sitting in the living room, just hanging out. She's got, she's got her show on and I've probably got a game or film on, on the laptop, on the couch. Um, but we, we do have our moments that, you know, I really do disconnect. Um, I really do put my phone down and having an assistant, um, has really, has really helped me with that. Um, being able to delegate a little bit so I can have certain days. But right now I think, I think I'm just always full go with it. I like being in the office. I like, I like, you know, watching film and always having a new idea. And there's always a documentary on, you know, the all or nothing documentaries or the Wayne Rooney doc documentary is my favorite. I love watching that one. So for me, it's just, yeah, it's a, it's a constant cycle. Um, but I like to think that when it's really time to, to really disconnect, I, I, I am able to do that. You mentioned earlier when you were going through the injuries in high school, mom happily taking you to games and I'm mm -hmm. assuming watched you play and all that type of stuff. How excited has she been to watch your development and growth? And was it easy for her to see her son go to Oklahoma uh, and be a little bit farther away from home? Um. I mean, it, it's always, it's always tough to see, um, you know, the, the babies go from the house. Uh, the good thing is my sister stays in Georgia. Um, and so she's able to have that, but I think same, same thing that I think my wife really took it. It is, it is always hard to see me kind of go, but they know that this is, this is what I really aspire to do. And they also know that I don't make a lot of these decisions lightly like these going out to Oklahoma wasn't just something I woke up and, and wanted to do. It took a lot of thought. It took a lot of figuring out what about the university was, was making my gut really go. Um, because I, I think there are a couple of assistant jobs I probably could have taken up at other places, but this one in particular just really had me always thinking. And so I think it was, it's one of those things when, 
when Bailey is like, yep, this is, this is the move. I think they understand. Um, she, she's come out twice and seen us play. She came out last year. We played on my birthday last year. So my first official head coaching game as a, you know, at the college level, she came out and saw, and then the year before she saw us in Dallas, Texas, um, playing at school. So whenever she can fly out here and, and see a game, she'll, she'll do it. So I, I think, I think that's been, that's been the cool part. And I think something that, I don't know. I think, th- I think there's a bit to it when she comes out here and sees everything we're kind of creating, it even still takes her by surprise. Cause I think, you know, I, you know, a few years ago, I was just setting up cones for under 12s, you know, in West Virginia. And now I'm out here recruiting kids from Japan and Zimbabwe and stuff like that and trying to put a, a really good team together. Um, so I think that's a really cool thing for her to experience. How does one get players from Japan and Zimbabwe? How do you make those connections? How do you see them? How do you get them connected um, and finally get them in how does that recruiting process even look like um with the internationals it's a big it's a big agency game so a lot of them work with agencies and of course my time as the assistant um you know brandon got me exposed to a lot of those people really quickly um because he knew one day i wanted to be a head coach and i would need some of those connections to start bringing in players myself um yeah you you build a good connection with some of these guys and you talk to him on the phone in terms of the agencies you're also kind of you're recruiting the agencies a little bit because you want them to believe that the kit that the players are sending you, they're going to be taken care of. So I think that's a big, that's a big part of it. Um, you know, I, I, I got in touch with the Japanese agency. I got them from some junior college coach. I know <laughs> I asked him, where do you get your Japanese players? And he said, this guy. And so you hit up that guy and you recruit a player or two. And that's kind of how it goes. Um, some of them, they reach out, you know, if they are a transfer, they naturally just reach out through email and, and things like that. Um, but yeah, the, the thing with the internationals is you're recruiting the agent and the player, mm. um, and you want the agent to have a good feeling because the agent also is getting in touch with that player's family, um, and everything like that making sure, Hey, I've got a good feeling about this guy. He's also had three of our players in the past. He does a great job with them. We've never heard anything bad. This would be a great place for him because, Bailey talks about X, Y, and Z. Um, so I think that's really how we attack it with, with the international players. What's your kind of selling point of NAIA? You know, you hear a lot of stuff out there on Twitter and, and just in social about kids always like, oh, I'm holding out for a D1 scholarship. Mm-hmm. Why go play NAIA? What are the benefits? What are some of the things that you love about that experience for players? Well, I think, I think the recruiting is a little less strict. You know, we can kind of talk to players as kind of as often as we like to. Um, I think our recruiting process can be a bit more intimate because we can also, if it is an American player, we can bring them onto campus as often as, as we like. Um, They can train with the guys as often as they like. Um, So our recruiting process can be a little more intimate in terms of the cell with NAIA. I don't know if I have a specific cell for NAIA. I really have more of a specific cell for why playing at OPSU and why OPSU is, is kind of the, kind of the spot. And, you know, our program is only four years old. We started in 2019. And so the big thing we, and we haven't won the conference yet. We haven't been in the national tournament yet. So for us, we tell players, you can go to any of these spots and and go play where there's a big history and things like that. But you come here and you win the conference here. That's, that's, that's the history in itself, you know, and if you're an all American doing it, well, you might go in the hall of fame. And so for us, like it's you come here, 
and you do what we aspire to do, you you can make history at a place like this. Um, and this is no easy place to 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 make history at. Um, and that's not just for the soccer program. That's you know for the whole school. I think all of us are aspiring to get that first conference title. Um, and we we want to be the first at this school. And so that's what we tell the players. Um, we also, in terms of finding an identity of playing, we made sure that we clipped a lot of our stuff from last year in terms of the way we want to play, make sure it's an attractive style of the way we play. And we, we try to make sure our actions are as good as our words. We go, we like to keep the ball. We have proof. Here you go. You want to play this style of play? Come play here. This is what we this is what we want to do, and we see you fitting in this way. Um, and being very honest with them, but I think our biggest sell is to get them here. Whether it's NAI D one, you know, players are going to go where they want to go, but we try and make our selling pitch about us as a team and as a staff and as a school more powerful than really the level that they're going to. Talking about Bailey has a vision, and sometimes it's hard to put into words, but. As you look forward, as you're building your career, are you looking at like, I want to build, you know, uh, Panhandle State to be this really good, solid NAIA program? Or is there a part of you that's always kind of peaking and saying, look, if an opportunity comes and it's one that I think is a good fit and I follow my gut, like you spoke about earlier, mm -hmm. are, you know, where are you kind of looking at? You're so young right now. Mm -hmm. Do you have plans or is it more of a, like, I'll just follow my gut and if the time is right, I'll go. I think my plan right now is to attack this, this role, the same that I have my kind of my whole coaching journey is keep my eyes here, keep everything I want here at OPSU um, and, and, and work and work and work and work and work. And then, yeah, if something comes up and it's the perfect fit for sure. But I think my idea right now is, the same thing I've learned from the previous head coach here at DC United and at West Virginia, when you're at these places, it's all about, it's all about the logo we're wearing that, that that's, that's, that's all it is at, at DC United. They want to be one of the best clubs in the MLS. And that's what, that's what every day at DC United is, is, is being the best in the MLS. And when you wear the black and red, that's what it is. When you have the logo, that's, that's who you are for the day. And of course, Anybody that's gone to West Virginia knows when you wear blue and gold, that's that's what it is. Whether it's the basketball team, soccer team, the shooting sports team, you know, you take a lot of pride in what you wear. And it's one of the, the best things that we had here when I was the assistant is I worked for somebody that believed in the same thing. He was like, this is not just some place that you stop. And this is not just, yeah, at the end of the day, it might be a stepping stone because that one day everybody moves on. But don't don't look at it as a stepping stone like, you're here to make Panhandle State the best it can be. When you're wearing the P, that's that's who you are. Um, and there's a lot of pride in that. And I think that's something we really want to teach our players is have a lot of pride in being here and being the best and 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 making it the best NAI, the best whatever we are. And then when you put all your work in, if something comes up through it and it's the right time, then go. Um, I think it's tough. But we're always kind of looking, you know, the other direction, like, oh, I'm going to do my job really well here. And then I hope something kind of, you know, pops up for me. And that's something we teach our players, like give everything here and, and the right things will, will fall in place at some point. So I, I think I think for me, it's it's given everything to to this place. And then with time, whether it be a year or 10 years with with time, you know, we, we really find out. But I want it to be at a time that I feel I've given everything. 
um, and I've exhausted all my ideas and it's, it's time for kind of a new, a new voice. One of the other things that I wanted to ask about is you talked about sending out um, it from emails to uh, places in the MLS, multiple ones, which means you said DC United, but that means other ones either didn't respond or said no. What was that part like? So it's great to get DC United, but how did you handle like the other side of things where people were like, no, I'm sorry, we don't need we don't have anything for you or what have you. Did you just kind of like, okay, did you know going in like, Hey, there's going to be some good and some bad. You just, you just carry on. I mean, when you're emailing MLS clubs, you don't even know what that process is supposed to look like. I was surprised (laughs) I got, I think I only got two responses out of the, out of the whole thing. I think Philadelphia union and and, in DC United. And so um, you you just kind of carry on and, you know, I'll be honest, DC United was the first person that really responded and, that was it. Nobody else responded after that. So I think it kind of fell quite well for me, but I think, I think in terms of anything with stuff like that, you just, you just move on. doesn't mean they don't like you. It just, either they don't see the email or they don't have the, they don't have the position open. And so you just kind of move on and just find a plan B pretty quick. So you just finished your first year. Now we're in the spring. Um, and then you're moving into next year. You're, you know, you're getting some of your own recruits in and all that Mm -hmm. type of stuff what things are you working on now in the spring? You talked about getting a team identity, a style of play clearly would like to possess the ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are some of your goals going into year number two? I think the something big we've attacked this spring is, is making a lot of the sessions super uncomfortable with, with the guys um, getting an identity of playing means that we have to put them in, in, in games and in moments that are super uncomfortable for them. Um, I think that was one thing I think is continuing the, to grind at the culture side of things for these guys. Um, they love using the word like family and, and brothers and things like that. But I think for me, the biggest thing that we have to get is, is we got to be the best teammates first. And naturally we believe that those things create the brothers and the families and, and things like that. So I think it's continuing to, to grind on, on that culture part of it. Um, Cause you know, without each other, they won't, we have, they have to have everybody to achieve something really great. I think going into next year, our biggest goal with the, this recruiting phase was going, going with our gut with, with players, um, going with our gut in terms of we, we get sent some talented players, but we look at them and we go, this may not fit the style, or maybe there was something off with the conversation or something. There's something with the relationship between us that's already making us feel uneasy. Um, it was finding the right guys, finding the guys that, weren't just looking for a spot that they love the vision. They love what we're building. That's what they want to be a part of. Um, I think that's, that's what we're really trying to build. And I I think, yeah, I think when they, when they have, when they have a style of play that they enjoy and they enjoy each other and they enjoy what we're doing, the soccer piece becomes so, so easy for them. Um, which if soccer is easy, then I'm sure you're winning a ton of games, right? <laughs> so I, I think that's that's the big thing we we really want to get was making sure we got the right guys in, not to replace the guys that are here, but to match them and to really bring them together. We're not looking at last season going, ah, it's not good enough. We need all these good players and the returners are going to, you know, they're going to sit. No, it's like, okay, we've got a really good core here. How do we bring in the right players and we match them? And now we've got, yeah, a few better players, but we also have a really good baseline of culture and environment and players. Now we bring those things together. And now we create 
good soccer. Now we create a good and good environment. And now we, which hopefully creates a lot of good things for them. One of the things you keep mentioning is the culture idea. And when you're bringing players in from actual different cultures, so like a Japanese player next to like a Nigerian or whatever, Mm -hmm. what is that communication piece? Like do a lot of them come in pretty strong at English or does just the game itself, because you said everyone knows soccer is soccer wherever you play it. Does that Mm -hmm. kind of a common language for them once they're out on the pitch? Um, you know, they have to have a certain English score. So there is a baseline of English that they can speak and understand. Um, but yeah, I, the, the soccer really speaks for itself. Um, for, for a lot of them, that's how they get on. I think the biggest thing with the culture and getting them to get along is some, some things mean differently to some of these guys in terms of the tone and they speak and the way they might say something, they may say something and to another person, it comes off maybe as rude. But to them, they're just trying to get out the right words and the right sentence to make it make sense to somebody else. And I think it's one of those things of going, all right, slow down. We're all talking about the same thing. Nobody's trying to get at each other. What are you feeling? Well, I'm feeling this. What are you feeling? I'm feeling this. Okay, we're all feeling the same thing. It's just we've got to find a better way probably to communicate those things to, to br- really bring them together. Um, we've actually had a couple of those moments in the last few weeks where – couple of our guys are they're talking about the same thing but since they're saying it different from two different countries they think they're they think that they're getting at each other so i i think it's really bringing them together and making sure that they can be vulnerable in some of those moments um and making sure that we're quite open with them as coaches as well and sitting down with them and going okay what's where's the breakdown we're saying this but we feel like maybe there's there's a gap somewhere how do we get through that um and so that's that's a big piece that's a big piece for us in getting them acclimated to the culture and even the soccer. This chat has been awesome. And this is a perfect way to shut it down. This is Karen with coach's corner chats with Bailey Guffin and I'm out. Peace. What a great chat. Thanks for checking it out. If you haven't done so already, follow us on Twitter at Coaches Let's Chat. Hit that subscribe button. And once again, if you get a chance, drop a review. It's super, super helpful for growing the podcast. Have a good one. Peace.